0: They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only.
1: The Go Radio Football Show with The Taxi Centre. Hosted by Rob McLean, Shelley Kerr and Marvin Barkley. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first. Let's go! go, go, go.
2: Well, we're easing out of the international spotlight and heading towards a big club weekend. But there's still plenty to say about Scotland's late show doubleheader, which has taken us to the brink of a place in the playoffs. And here's someone who's taken a Scotland football team to a World Cup. Shelley Kerr, how was it for you, Shelley? Uh, Those two Scotland results, which have given us another six points.
3: Do you know what, i i try not to watch the games as a fan and you try and look at it you know from a tactical perspective and i just think that when when it comes to this time of the campaign it's getting the results it's the most important thing it doesn't matter when you score the goals um and we're in a brilliant brilliant position now you know one game away from obviously achieving that second spot which is what we need for the playoffs and I think we have to be realistic as well get into the playoffs it's going to be tough for us as well people don't realise that it's going to be tough
2: So when you say you don't watch it as a fan did you not fly off the couch when that goal went in 86 minutes in the Faroes? No. <laughs> I, my, I, I'm loving your restraint, Shelley, and I don't believe you for a second. Uh, Lyndon Dykes, the man of the moment, the first Scotland striker to score in four successive games for more than 50 years, and the man who taught him all about how to finish when he was at Livingston, Marvin Bartley. He's doing well, isn't
4: he? Yeah, he's fantastic. Like you said, you know, four and four for him. Uh, the fourth one was probably one of the luckiest goals that he's ever scored or will ever score. But no, fantastic for him. You know, he's in the right positions. Uh, couldn't happen to a nicer boy. He's came through it the hard way. Um, and, you know, he does everything he's got at this moment in time. And he's still in 26 years of age, so he'll still get better. I noticed there was no denying there that you taught him how to finish. No, I don't know. well, you're, you're <laughs> a man who knows his football, so there's no point me denying it. You know, everyone knows my <laughs> scoring record and look at Lyndon. So, yeah, I have taught him a lot.
3: See, he's Johnny. has been. Just absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. When you think back, obviously it was at Livingston, but before that, Queen of the South.
4: Yeah, playing I mean, on the wing.
3: I mean, he couldn't have been on a lot of money there. Mm-hmm. I know that it's all about money, but yeah. his journey has been quite incredible. That step up from Queen of the South, Livingston, yeah. and obviously QPR. it's just incredible. And then, people don't realise how difficult it is to score goals in international football as well. I know he's a striker, but it's still hard to yeah. score goals.
2: Is that three years ago that he was in the Championship with Queen of the South? It's not that late. It's either three or three and a half, uh, maybe. Yeah, about three and, and a half. And yeah. now, he's, now he's with Queen's Park Rangers. And, you know, presumably at this stage... Premier League clubs in England will be looking at what he's doing for Queen's Park Rangers and for Scotland.
4: Yeah, but Linden's a throwback striker. He's very, very physical. Um, you know, he's a sort of number nine. And there's not many of them around. Um, it's important to him that teams play to his strengths. I know when he first went to QPR, there wasn't a lot of crosses coming in the box and his goal return kind of showed that. Um, but if you do put it in the danger area, as I said, because he's so physical, defenders really don't want to play against him. Um, and, and that's why he's getting the goals that he does get. You see him in international football, how many, Boys, you see your centre forwards pulling off on the diagonal, diagonal being hit and, you know, you've got a big number nine winning it. Not many. So no one will want to play against him. No one will relish playing against him. And, and as I said, you know, that's probably getting him the space in the box that he is finding at this moment in time to have the four and four.
3: I mean, you know as well, you know, defensively, um, and a lot of strikers now, modern day strikers, don't get across the front area. Mm-hmm. He's spoken about that in his game in terms of getting across the, the, the face of the goal. And see, when you're a defender, <laughs> that's a nightmare to defend against. Yep, so, yep. And, he, and he's adding that to his game. And I think now the relationships have started, you know, um, especially with Andy Robertson on one side in terms of his deliveries. Obviously, the other night there, it's Nathan Patterson. But the deliveries coming in, yep. now he's got an understanding of where that ball's going to be. Um, and that's so important as a striker in terms of getting yourself in the box in the right
2: areas. And he doesn't care which portion of his anatomy uh, makes the final contact on it uh, as well. And you can see the look on that Fede defender's face the other night. He he thought he cleared it. He thought he dealt with it at the near post, but he wasn't expecting that run across him from Dykes.
4: Exactly, as Shelley said there, you know, it causes confusion. You know, it's not all the time that you, you might not always score, the ball might go past all of you, or it might be an own goal or... You know, it comes off your chest like it did for Linden. But because he is making that run and he's not only making, he's making it with a belief that he's going to get on the end of the ball. There's a huge difference, you know, when you're marking a centre-forward and they go into that area but they're not really thinking they're going to score. It's a lot easier to mark, but he goes with real pace. Um, and, and that's why he causes confusion that he does cause. And against the Faroes, he did the same thing. And, you know, as Shelley said, he's, he's adding it to his game, which is absolutely fantastic. He's, he's still learning. Um, he's not. I'm not sure he's grown anymore because he's, he's already big enough, but he's still learning the game. And as I said, you know, his goal scoring is getting better. You know, month by month.
3: Marvin C. When he was at Queen of the South, I actually went to a few of their games um, down in Dumfries for mm-hmm. a wee day out. But um, <laughs> a day out in Dumfries. He, <laughs> he played with with Dobie up front. Yeah. And um, it was Dolby that scored most of the goals. And His game, then, he was. I mean, he he works really, really hard. But I Mm. think what he's added to his game now is not just the work rate, but actually getting into the right positions, and and especially in the last you know year or so.
4: Yeah, yeah. I spoke to Charlie, who played down there with Lyndon. Um, uh, plays with him at QPR, and he said that he had spoken to Lyndon and said, "Listen, all your channel running is absolutely fantastic, but we're judged on the goals we score. You know, stay in this area a bit more, be a bit more selfish." I think Lyndon's taking that advice on because, as you said, you know. Queen of the South, he's doing a lot of the running for, for, for Dobie. Uh, even at Livingston at times, he's doing a lot of that unselfish running. And, and now he seems to have that kind of selfish streak and self-belief in himself. And as I said, you know, it's fantastic to see him scoring goals because he always had that. But like you said, he used to work so hard doing everything else except for you know being in front of the goal. But you know now he's added that to his game. You know the, the world's a kind of his oyster. When you said Charlie, is that your mate Charlie Austin? Yeah, I didn't want to say his last name because was, someone would be listening from Livingston saying, "Oh, Charlie, best mate Charlie." But yeah, that, that, that's who it was. So I just left it at Charlie.
2: There was there was a lot of negative chat, Shelley, on the back of the game in the Faroes, wasn't there? Uh, where, where are you on performance versus? what well, you said right at the top of the show, it is all about results at this stage. How Were you concerned at all about the Scotland performance uh, in terms of the chances they gave up?
3: No, because just in my experience, every game that you do well, the, it adds the pressure to it and the expectation. And as you get closer to something, your your main objective, it gets harder and harder. So at that point, I mean, don't get me wrong, in-house, the manager... Um, and the players will have discussed it to say, look, you know, the performance wasn't the best. Although they did create a lot of chances, and especially in the second half. Yeah. But ultimately at this stage, it is about the three points. I, I just think that, you know, the supporters have been great. You know, the, the game at Hamden was absolutely, you know, the atmosphere was terrific. Were you there? I wasn't there. No. I, I, I didn't get a ticket but um, I, I that's because it. of
2: your affiliations with that <laughs> lot down south right? <laughs> Maybe you don't get in anymore <laughs> maybe
3: but it, the, the point is that the atmosphere was electric the support were, were fantastic and we've actually been a little bit spoiled haven't we because it's been so long we get to our first major finals in two decades we're, we're on track we're back on track and I think that we have to just take a step back even the support who have been brilliant you know what it we're going to achieve what we set out to achieve, and that's get second spot to the playoffs. You know, it would have been extremely tough to go and knock Denmark off the perch. They're, they're a phenomenal team. You know, they, they haven't even conceded a goal yet. So I, I just think that we have to be realistic. Now, every manager and every player, and every game that they play in, will want the perfect performance and the result. You can't always get that. There's another set of players. There's another manager. You know, trying to you know aim aim for the same thing. It's impossible all the time.
2: It was a full house, of course, for that game that Shelley's talking about, Scotland-Israel. Full house for the game against Denmark as well, coming up, uh, the runaway group winners. Um, and there seems to be, of a real connection, a really good connection at the moment between the Scotland squad and the Scotland support. The support is back. I mean, it, it's gone through a time where... Um, you know a lot of the Scotland supporters came from the Highlands and Islands and and it was seen as maybe for a lot of people central belt it was uncool you know you support yeah. your club but you didn't support your country that seems to have changed I think
4: yeah but winning games does that yeah. you know and especially obviously going to the European Championships was absolutely massive Um you saw the whole country get behind the boys uh, especially when they played against England but yeah you know it's fantastic to see a full house and and like Shelley said, you know, going to the Faroes was very difficult for them because I, I think they would have used a lot of energy up against Israel. You know, you'd got caught up in that kind of that atmosphere and then you've got this next game against the Faroes, which you think should be, you know, kind of straightforward. And, and as Shelley said, you know, Faroe Islands have 11 players out there playing for Pride as well. You know, they want to kind of spoil the party, so it was difficult for the boys. But no, it's fantastic to see the support back. Obviously, I've never seen anything like that during my time in Scotland because I've only been up here for six years. Um, but, you know, some of the boys I know in the squad and have spoken to said it was absolutely unreal you know, the best night f- for them um, playing football uh, in front of fans. So, you know, it's absolutely fantastic and long may it continue because, you know, they're, they're doing the stuff on the pitch. You know, what what's the fans are being like that off of the pitch, You know it can only mean good things for the, for the national team.
3: As well, I think adding to that is the time that we've scored both mm-hmm. the goals. Yeah. You know, to win 3-2, you know, it's 90 plus minutes and then it's the 8-6 minute where we scored. So that was quite the- early
2: in the field, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was, but do you know what it does? It, it does give you a massive lift because... You know, you have that kind of that little lull where you're going. Oh, are we going to do it? And yeah. then when it happens, that's how the crowd were so elated. You yeah. Know? And, and
2: did you feel more relaxed watching the game in the Pharaohs late on? Did, did you carry the belief that that the goal was coming?
3: Um, I I think so because you're creating so many chances. And mm. when a team sets up to defend and be compact, it's really mentally draining. It's mentally tough. I mean, I Marvin, you've probably played in yeah. games like that. I know I have as mm. well. And it's so, so difficult to do it for, uh, you know, the duration of the match, however long that lasts. And Scotland were then, you know, especially in the second half, you know, they were turning the screw, you know, they were getting more deliveries into the box. They were more purposeful with their possession. So I, I did, I did actually feel comfortable, you know.
2: Here's Stevie Clark on the on the character that he's got in the squad I think it's a
5: group of players that have shown they've got the character To come away to difficult places and, and, and get a result for their country They've done it before and tonight was no different It's a game that everyone thinks we should come and win comfortably But no easy games It took Denmark a long time to win here uh, Anybody who comes here know they've, they've been in a battle. We didn't play as well as we could first half, that, 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 that's definite. I thought we were much better second half, we were a little bit more aggressive with our passing. We tried to get behind them, we tried to cause them problems. So better control of the game second half and eventually that, that led to the winning goal. Every
2: international manager wants to develop that club mentality if possible to, to, to make joining up with your country like Joining up with your mates, your your teammates are, are in a club sort of situation, and he's cracked it, hasn't he? And, and everybody wants to do that. You 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 know you'll know in your time as Scotland gaffer that that's what you were trying to do as well.
3: It's tough. I mean, I spoke about this um, before the the game against Israel. That I think that's twelve times, twelve get-togethers that um, Steve's had with his squad. He's been in post two years. That's his tenure so far. And what that equates to is like about three months club training. Mm-hmm. So see, when you measure it like that, it's I think it's phenomenal because at the start, he, you know, he set up the team to be hard to beat. You know, we came off the back of, the I think, Russia and Belgium. We got heavy, heavy defeats there. So... He got the foundations in place, and then that's allowed them now to experiment in the final third, so create the attack and finish the attack. And I think that's what we've done better. That's what makes the team more exciting. I mean, don't get me wrong. Supporters want to see crunching tackles. They want to see a robust defence. But actually, what we love about football is scoring goals. So, and I think that that's what Steve's done. So it's been a process over those two years, and you know, it's been a systematic approach I think and he deserves a lot of credit.
2: It's been gradual improvement and maybe sometimes um, that escapes people that that, even though it's gradual that is still progress but but I think when it, it slapped me across the face the other day when I looked at the qualification group from two years ago and Scotland were below Cyprus and yeah. Kazakhstan and a couple of other teams, you know, f- further up. That that's where we're now. We're now a second place team in, in a qualification situation.
4: Yeah, but as Shali said, they had to build it from the back, you know, because if you are conceding goals left, right, and centre, it doesn't matter how good your your centre forwards are, because you can score three but concede four. So I think first and foremost, you want to make them hard to beat. Um, you know, have a strong defensive platform, then move forward from there. You build from the back forward, not forwards back, and it's showing in you know what Scotland are doing now because. They are performing well and the boys do know they can score goals, but also the defence at times, you know, will be able to hold out. Obviously, I know they conceded two against Israel, but, you know, they got, went on to win that game 3-2 and one of the defenders, well, Scott McTominay playing at the back, came forward and scored. So, you know, it's very, very important you have that platform, you know, that defensive platform and a trusted uh, defence as well. And if you look at his squads, he's had a core of players that he's always tried to keep there. know, every squad, you know, people are saying, I'll call up this player, call up that player. But I think Steve Clark looks beyond your footballing abilities. I think he thinks about, well, how are you going to fit into this group? He's got a group he's trying to create that club mentality and what they can't afford to have somebody come into that who doesn't fit in you know they're around the rest of the boys for 10 days and you can't afford at that level that elite level you can't afford any problems within the camps and when i say problems i mean people not getting on or you know people kind of going left and you want to go right so you know, I think he's he's done really, really well in saying to these players that are in there now, this is the way we do things. And when you bring somebody else new in, they need to fall in line straight away. Because if you don't fall in line, then you won't be a part of the next squad. And you know, I think that's why they're getting the success, uh, success that they are getting now. Yeah, yeah, the easy, other easy you
3: the other thing I would add is that you know the final part, so they create the attack and finish the attack. And um, for me, that's the hardest mm-hmm. part in football to coach because it's unstructured. If it's if it's predictable. Then you know opponents can read the situation. Whereas when you work on the defence, it's positional play, it's your starting positions, and it's it's about you know trying to deny space and being nice and compact. So it's easier in a sense to coach. I'm not saying it's always easy, mm-hmm. but it's easier to coach setting up out of position than in position. That is the hardest part to master. So and especially in a national team set up where you don't have the time. You know people forget that. You have games at the weekend, the squad arrive potentially a Sunday night and a Monday. That day is recovery. Then the next day is normally rest. That's how the periodization would work at a club. So he's literally got two sessions before you go into an international match, You know and it's quite unique and unless you've been involved in it, People don't really understand, obviously, the intricacies that you know a head coach has at international football,
2: and it takes a while to adapt, doesn't it? And uh, but he's achieving great things, Stevie Clark. We are moving forward, big style, uh, and one win away, one more win away from a place um, in the playoffs, which hopefully lead towards World Cup qualification. So we're, we're talking Scotland. Um, we're also uh, going to be looking ahead to the club weekend, of course. 0808 17 17 700. If you want to join us uh, talking football, uh, text GO in your message to 87474 on the socials. It's at GO Football Show. Some fantastic games coming up um, this weekend. It does seem a while. Uh, since we were talking about Celtic uh, scoring late at Pataudry to beat Aberdeen and Rangers, of course, overcoming 10-man Hibs to get all three points at Ibrox and stay top of the Premiership. Tokyo Marv, will also be talking what, bottom <laughs> half no, of the league as well. But but it's a, it's an interesting set of fixtures, Cicelli, because uh, the top six are all come together. Hibs, Dundee United, Motherwell, Celtic, Rangers, Hearts, great games.
3: Oh, it's brilliant, especially on the back of, obviously, the international window. You know, the... I think um, the supporters of all these clubs, you know, will look forward to it. You know, we've had the highs of Scotland, obviously, winning their two games and putting ourselves in a brilliant position. But now it's back to club business and there's some cracking games over the the weekend, absolutely cracking games. You've got, obviously, the big one, I think, is Rangers and Hearts, obviously, top of the table clash there um, at Ibrox. And then... You know, Motherwell, I think I've done really well. Graham mm. Alexander's doing some good things with Motherwell. I think initially took took his time. He's now, obviously, his recruitment at the start of the season. And I think the, the style of play is has been pretty good. So that's not an easy tie for Celtic, you know, especially away to Motherwell. So that's a tough one as well. And then... Obviously,
4: um, <laughs> St. Johnson, livingston that's a huge one, Marvin. Oh, yeah, never cup final, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a huge game for us. As they all are at this moment in, in time, you know, we need to, you are talking about performances earlier. And right now, we don't care about performances, about mm. trying to get points on the board. Um, you know, it, it has been a struggle for us at the start of the season. And yet um, you've beaten Celtic. Yeah, and and the thing is, you know, some of our performances have been really good. We've just not been rewarded for them. Obviously, you know, the late goal uh, against Aberdeen at the start of the season was, was one that springs to mind. But, you know, we have to take each game as it comes, and St. Johnson's a, it's a difficult place to go. But, you know, when, as I said, when you start picking up points. God, I you, you're
2: loving that manager speak, aren't you? One uh, game outside. Difficult playing place soon. to go.
4: <laughs> come I might have to come back and play again. But no, it really is. You know, because if you look yeah. too far beyond, if you're winning games, it's all right to look you know, beyond the next one. When you're losing games, it's not. You know, you, you, yeah. you're thinking about to yourself, when are you going to pick up these points? And, you and hopefully we can do it, you know, starting on Saturday.
2: Yeah, it's a it's tough. It's a tough one against St Johnston. I saw them last time out against Dundee. I think you were watching that game, Shelley, as well at the time. Um, and St Johnston, you feel, are now beginning to get the results that probably their play earlier on in the season has has deserved. So, you yeah. know, in in a sense, they're one of the worst teams you'd want to be coming up against at the moment.
4: Yeah, exactly. You know, and they're a team that, as you said, the confidence is growing week by week. You know, they're they're renowned for being you know hard to beat um you know they're well structured callum's got them playing really really well again um everyone knows what they need to do you know their jobs are are set out they know what they need to do effie ambrose has gone in there from us as well at the middle of center Mm. half uh looking like van dyke yeah so listen hopefully he has an off day yes he is my friend but we need to (laughs) we need to win the game but you know we know we've got our work cut out but we believe in our squad you know there's some really really good players within it We're, we're a good team um, but unfortunately, at this moment in time, our league position doesn't show that. They've
3: changed as well, St. Johnston a little bit. They've added, you know, played with two strikers yep. um, recently as well. And yep. then I think what's been impressive, I think, is obviously losing Jason Kerr, captain, mm. and Ali McCann, who were instrumental last season in terms yep. of their success. But That's where
2: that F.A. Ambrose signing has been so effective, yeah, hasn't and, it?
3: And they've, and they've added to their squad um, now as well. And obviously, Callum, I think last, last season... You know, I was waxing lyrical about obviously defensively. I don't, I don't think anybody um, in the premiership ha- had mastered that back three, back yeah. five the way that St Johnson done. That. They were they were so well drilled tactically on it, and he's had to obviously reinvent a little bit. You have to and know that he's changed too much, but actually it has been good to see in terms of how he's addressed obviously losing players and then what's next for them because you always have to keep on building um, Mm -hmm. in terms of the way that you set up your team so it's been quite impressive so you're up against it at the weekend.
4: Yeah, cheers Shelley, thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) He was happy when he came in here, (laughs) he's he's got a black cloud over his head now. Shelley Kerr, Marvin
2: Bartley, Rob McLean, Talking Football.
1: The Go Radio football show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's go,
2: go, 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 go! Cheers, Chris. Thanks for the travel. More to come in the course of the show. Um, six three o'clock games on a Saturday um, is almost an endangered species and I think it still is because uh, Dundee and Aberdeen have moved theirs to six o'clock on Saturday otherwise it would have been all 12 top flight clubs playing on a Saturday at the same time so uh, a little bit frustrating that Dundee and Aberdeen have moved their game it's Hibs Dundee United it's Motherwell against Celtic Rangers play Hearts Ross County against St Mirren that big match in Perth we were talking about for Marvin and his team St Johnston, against Livingston and then well it's a massive match isn't it for Stephen Glass nine games without a win when he takes his Aberdeen side to Dens Park to play Dundee Rangers had an open training session uh, today the fans were in having a look at uh, what they were up to and Gary McAllister did some talking as well and uh, surprise, surprise, he was asked about that speculation linking the gaffer, Stephen Gerrard, with Newcastle. You know, I think since
5: we've been here, you know, there, there has been speculation and been linked to, to several clubs. And that's that's part and parcel of being a, a high profile manager and a high profile manager who's done pretty well here.
2: He's always had a good sidestep, Gary McAllister, <laughs> and he <laughs> managed to avoid that question pretty comfortably as well. What do you make of that, Marv?
4: He's right in what he's saying, isn't it? If you are, if you are successful, you're going to be linked to a, to other teams, and obviously Newcastle have had that massive buyout. I think a lot of managers and a lot of players will be linked with them um, over the, over the coming yeah. months, and, and, and it's hard as well. You know, Steve Bruce is still the manager of the football club, so you know it's, it's one of those things I don't really like seeing. You know, other managers linked to a job when the job's not actually vacant. And I've just seen a headline 999
3: on the games. That's,
4: That's it
3: is. he's he's one off. He's a thousandth game.
4: Wow. And
2: I've just seen something on the screen saying that it seems as if he's going to stay in charge. I hope so. I mean, I think
3: that would be a terrible decision to do that. And and know that it should be personal and you take those into account. But what's the rush to make the decision? If you're going to make the decision, let the guy have, you know. Give him a trial period. uh, 999 games.
4: Yeah, I know. Give him another one, please. <laughs> and then sack him.
2: <laughs> exactly. So Gary McAllister, uh, we'll have more from him uh, on a variety of subjects. Um, but uh, it's Rangers against Hearts. Uh, Shelley was saying, what a mouth-watering game that is at Ibrox at the weekend. Shelley, Karen Marvin, Bartley, Rob McLean. We've got Cami on the line. Cami's a Rangers fan. Hi, Cami.
6: Hi, guys. Good evening.
2: How are you? Yeah, very well. Are you glad to have club football back?
6: Absolutely. Although I've, I thoroughly enjoyed Scotland's two fixtures I thought, thought the results were brilliant
2: and your man Nathan Patterson played a big part in that winning goal in the Pharaohs
6: yeah definitely I thought he, I thought he actually would have started the game understanding, but against Israel he didn't play his best but I thought they might have kept him in but when he came on he showed he showed why, why he would have deserved to start that game
2: yeah Gary McAllister was actually speaking about him today obviously Um Difficult, isn't it, for him getting club time, uh, getting on the pitch with Rangers, although he did he, play in the last game. Um, very effective for, for Scotland. Here, here's the assistant manager.
5: Listen, he's, he, he just keeps an improving and improving. We've got a, we've got a, we, we feel we've got a, a, a player who can play a long time for Rangers, but also a player that can represent his country for a, for a long period as well. And he'll just keep getting better. He's just got to keep taking on board the information from the manager and the coaches here at Rangers. And, and, the, and his development will just—he'll get, get better and better. You know, he's, he's working on the, the fact that when he gets into that final third, he's been working a lot on his qualities of his deliveries. The fact is, in the last couple of games, by that hard work, he's got results.
1: It's
2: a real dilemma, Cammy isn't it? For for Rangers, it's going to be difficult uh, getting game time with the captain uh, holding down that position.
6: Yeah, I think it's always a problem. Obviously, looking at how good James Taverner has been for Rangers in the previous seasons, that. Whoever's second to him is always going to struggle to get in the squad. I think Nathan Patterson is going to be really pushing for a place this season. I don't think Tavenier's had the best of start. I think that's why Patterson came in against against Hibbs. I thought he'd done really well. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him start against Patterson Saturday. It, it
2: struck me as really important for Nathan Patterson Shelley Um that he came back from that first half against Israel, it was torrid, wasn't it? For for everybody, it was it was a it was a difficult day, difficult evening. Um, but he'll take a lot from that, won't he? That, that 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 he struggled first half and he came back and improved and and played a big part in that game.
3: The biggest challenge that young players have is the consistency um, over the course of a game and over the course of a season, and you know you have to learn from moments like that. Um, his delivery, obviously, um, for the goal against the Faroes was brilliant. He's got that in his locker. Um, I think who better to learn off than Tavernier? I think the management um, and the coaching staff will have a plan for him. Um, it's obvious they want to keep him there. And, um, you know, he, he, it's a position, um, you know, within the Scottish national team that is up for grabs. And, you know, the more he plays, the more he will make it his own. Um, but in terms of Rangers, I, I'm very, very sure that the management team will have a plan for him in terms of the games that he'll play and the games that um, Tavenier will play.
2: How difficult a game is this for Rangers on Saturday, Cammie? Um Hearts, just a point behind. Yeah, it's, it, it could
6: be a, a banana peel fixture for uh, Rangers no, You don't. I think it was uh, similar, similar one um, that we had against Hibs before the international break. It was one that Rangers were well, maybe worried about and you had to go in, you had to get the right result and I think that's why you saw the emotions at full time from Nathan Patterson and Steven Gerrard because it was a massive result and I think the Hearts game is the exact same. It's a massive game for Rangers that they need to come out of with three points because the performances haven't been the best. Cammy, what,
3: uh, what, what? if you look at that Hearts squad, what players um, would you be worried about? going into the game from a Hearts perspective?
6: I can't actually remember the boy's name, but the new boy in midfield. Ben- me. Yeah. yeah, I really like him as a player. I think he's, I think he's came out of the Hearts team up. what When they beat uh, Celtic at Tynecastle, he really uh, stood out for me. I think he's a very, very good player. The Hearts have got good players, tricky players. Gary McKay-Stevens came in, I know Barry McKay came in, he's not played a lot, but they've got a good set, they've got a good squad of player parts I think they'll be challenging for top six this season.
2: They've also got uh, Liam Boyce at one end and Craig Gordon at the other and without oversimplifying it, you're off to a good start with those two, aren't
3: you? You just spoke about Beningaby as well, Rob, and that's the spine of your team, isn't it? Yeah,
4: Devlin's come in as well and did really well, Mm -hmm. centre midfielder. He played against us, I think it was his first game and he was fantastic. Those two together in the centre of the park um, absolutely unbelievable. You know, they were constantly up and down. They worked really well together. It's like they'd been playing with each other for, for season after season and we were really impressed by them. Obviously, you know, they kind of blew us away, um, you know, scored a couple of goals relatively quickly. But for me, they're probably you know, one of the better teams we've played this season, if I'm honest, and I think they'll only get better as well. And you talk about John Suter, he didn't play against us, but what a fantastic centre-half yeah. he is, by the way. Um, he's had his injury problems, unfortunately, he missed quite a lot of football. Still only 25 years of age, and you know I would probably expect him to, to be in the Scotland squad by the end of the season because for me he is he's top draw as a centre They're a
3: real threat from set plays as well, um, Cammy. I don't know what you think about that, but um, you know certainly they've got a system. I think this season that's that's got real good balance mm-hmm. in it. So and they've been impressive. They've been really really impressive. Although I do think it'll be a different game for them playing at Ibrox.
2: How far are Rangers from firing on all cylinders, do you think, Cami? Because I think most people would agree that it hasn't really happened so far.
6: Yeah, but I, I can't actually say I think they've got close to their best yet. I think there's been, there's been spells in certain games where they've kept up for 15-20 minutes. And maybe we're just used to last season where they were battering teams for 70-80 minutes, sometimes even the full game. Teams couldn't sometimes get out of their own box against Rangers. But It's just from the, from the start of the season until now, we've not seen it at all. I think I in and, yeah, the more you get positive results, the more confidence is going to come in at the players and it will eventually come. They're not going to play out after like the full season. I would say if a positive result against Hearts tomorrow, you wait till all your players are back, still fit from the international break. I know some have came back with maybe injuries. Um, and then I think, think you'll see a full fire in Rangers.
2: Is there still a what-if hanging over that Hibs game? Uh, two weeks ago, Marv, what if Hibbs had kept 11 on the pitch when they were 1-0 up?
4: Yeah, definitely. But I, I still think, you know, obviously I'm a Hibs man, but I think Hibbs kind of scored against the run of play. You know, Nisbet, fantastic header, uh, great ball in the box and a great header. But I, I feel sorry for Rangers at times because, you know, they're top of the league. I think they've drawn one game, they've lost one game and they've, and they've won six. And yet we're still sitting here saying, oh, they're not firing on all cylinders. When people go and play against Rangers and Celtic, that's their cup final. That is, and you sit behind the ball and you make things very, very difficult. And anyone who plays football, you know, at any level, if you have 11 of the opposition sitting behind the ball, it's very difficult to break down. Also, you know, a lot more work will go into the analysts when you play, you know, you're playing against Rangers, you're playing against Celtic. So I think if you look at Rangers from last season to the season before, they changed things slightly, but there's only so many times you can kind of evolve like that drastically. So what you're seeing this season is, yeah, teams are are finding out a ways to stop them for longer. But they're still won six of their eight games. But I think we just got a bit greedy because they had gone unbeaten. I think Rangers fans were like, "Right, we're going to do that again." You know, the following season, we're going to blow teams away. You know, week in, week out. That's not how football works. You know, any other team within the Scottish Premier League will swap places with Rangers right now. If, you know, if their fans aren't happy with the way they're playing.
2: And it is pretty ominous, I guess, surely, for everybody else that Rangers are short of where they were last season, and maybe are never going to get consistently to where they were last season. But they're top of the league.
3: Last season, their performances, I think, was quite unique in terms of the the style of play. Um, It was absolutely fantastic, the way that they played it. So to replicate that again the following season, it would have been quite tough. And, you know, it's hard to get to the top. They've waited a long time to get back there. But now, they're the ones that's leading the way. So they're a bigger scalp than what they were last last season. It was Celtic that was a scalp last season because... You know, they were the champions. Yeah. So that that changes, you know, the dynamic. And Marvin's rightly said, every team, when you're the champion, every team that comes to play you, they'll do... And it's not that they don't try all the time, but it's even, they, they try even harder. Um, they're more um, meticulous, the way that they play, and it, because they see it as a big scalp. It's a cup final every week for Rangers, for the, for the other teams that are playing
2: them. Is it going to be much more competitive? I mean, it was a runaway last season, wasn't it, Cammy? 25 points in the end. Um, so, it probably goes without saying that it's going to be more competitive. But at the moment, it looks very competitive with, you know, not just Celtic potentially coming back at you, but but uh, the two Edinburgh clubs are in there as well.
6: Yeah, I think um, so far Hearts and Hibs are posing a wee bit more of a challenge, title challenge Celtic out just now. But I think Celtic also will come back into the challenge at some stage, but, it will be close. It'll be, a, it'll be a close race of
2: second this year, I think. Do you think the Edinburgh clubs, either of the Edinburgh clubs or both of them, could sustain a challenge this season, Marv?
4: I think it'd be very, very difficult. I think when you look at squad depth, um, it's going to be tough. Um, like you said, Celtic will, will come back. Um, Celtic, again, I think that's 19 goals they've scored so far this season. And they're in a transitional period as well. You know, They've brought in a lot of players at this moment in time. So you've seen it click for times with Celtic. So I expect Celtic to come back and it to be kind of a two-horse race. You know, it'd be brilliant for, for Scottish football if the Edinburgh clubs could you know, stick at it, but I think it's very, very difficult. It's a tough ask to, to ask them to do that for you know, a sustained period. Do you
2: expect, Cammie, a, a possible marquee signing from Rangers in January? Because we've had Craig Moore on this show uh, criticising Rangers for, for not making a, a big name signing in the summer. Could that happen in January? Do you see that just to, just to make sure of this title defence?
6: And I think it's hard to see. I could see one coming in if a player was to go out. But if a player doesn't go out, I can't see one coming in. I just can't see it at all. Steven Gerrard done a press conference a couple of weeks ago, maybe, um, signaling to the board that he wants a wee bit more money. But I can't see him getting that in January unless a player was to leave. Um, so no, I can't see it.
2: And maybe, Shelley, no need for that. Maybe... No need for to, to, to put anyone else in that squad.
3: Do you know what? When you, when you look at the squad of players, why do you need to bring anyone in? I, I think their squad is fantastic. You know, he's almost got two players vying for every single position. Yeah. Um. So I, I could understand if he had lost a Ryan Kent, you know, Glenn Kamara's just signed a new contract. I, I think the squad of players that the Rangers have are fantastic, you know, in terms of the brand of football that they're capable of playing.
2: Cammie, what are you thinking in terms of a scoreline? Confident of a home win Saturday?
6: Yeah, I'm, I'm confident about a win. I think it'll be one that the Rangers players will be looking forward to and looking to get three points out of.
2: Should be a good game. Thanks for joining us on the show. Cheers, guys. All the best, Cammie. See you.
1: The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's
2: go! go, 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 go. Football Show with the Taxi Centre. On a Thursday evening, coming out of the international break, heading into a big club weekend, heading into a big day tomorrow. Happy birthday, Shelley care for tomorrow. (laughs) Thank you. Things you say off air that you maybe wish you hadn't mentioned. Not at all, no. Let's uh, let's celebrate even twenty-four hours ahead. Um, Let me tell
3: you, there's no enough candles to
2: go on the cake. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a bit of a fire risk. Um, on the back of six points out of six for Scotland from the latest uh, camp, as uh, Stevie Clark uh, likes to call them, latest double header, and now just one more win away. That's Moldova, of course. Uh, remember, remember the twelfth of November. It's a five o'clock kickoff. Three more points, and Scotland will finish second in Group F. Great run of results. Great run of four and hopefully it's going to be 5 out of 5 here's Craig Gordon yeah that's huge it's, it's a while since we've done that but it's it's a good uh, record we're, we're coming to the, the business end of this group now and yes a, a really good time to, to hip form and uh, hopefully we, we keep that going for, for one more game because if we, we do that we'll, we'll give ourselves the, the chance to, to finish second and, and hopefully to try and get seeded in the, the next round for the, the playoff as well how good is he Shelley Craig Gordon at the moment for club and country?
3: yeah I- I've got a, a real soft spot for for Craig Gordon, but because of his longevity in football, the you know he's been through a lot in in his career in terms of you know the injuries yeah. that he's had to come back. I felt sorry for him in the Euros, if I'm being honest, and I know that people would look at um, you know David Marshall, obviously the penalty shootouts and getting us there. There was that loyalty from the manager. I actually felt sorry for Craig because I thought he was in real good form in the build up to, to the tournament. And, you know, he's been around the national team for such a long time. Um, and I just hope for his sake that, you know, we do get to the World Cup because it would be absolutely brilliant. But, you know, take that personal stuff away, I think, in terms of his ability as a goalkeeper. You know, he has to go up there as one of the best that we've produced in Scotland. You know, I think Celtic, I've said this before many times. Huge, huge mistake for mm-hmm. them in terms of not keeping Craig Gordon. In terms of Harts' success so far this season, he's been instrumental. He's been integral in it. We, we spoke about the spine of the team, but you know, it, you go back to even the Derby game um, against Hibs. I thought Macy had a brilliant game, so yeah. did Craig Gordon. Yeah. Sometimes in games, he doesn't have a lot to do, but when he's called upon, he just pulls off brilliant saves. He's still really agile, really fit. You know his concentration levels
4: are second to none.
2: I think also sometimes he doesn't do himself any favours, Craig Gordon, in the game because he actually makes really difficult saves look actually pretty straightforward, Marv.
4: Yeah, exactly. And people then don't give him the kind of the plaudits he deserves for them. But Shelley says he's been been fantastic. 38 years of age as well, Um, really, really good. You know, we played, we had a couple of shots against Hearts, and again he was so assured of what he was doing, constantly talking to his defenders. And I think these are the things that. some fans might not see it's not just about the saves that he makes it's how calm he is for the rest of the players and if you need kind of to be g'd up then he'll G you up you know if you need to be pushing up or dropping off he's constantly talking to you know the players in front of him and i think they've got the joint best you know defensive record in the league that's not by coincidence that's that's Mm -hmm. because you've got someone like him in goal and and it's so much easier for defenders when you've got someone behind you you can rely on. You know you don't have to overcompensate because you think, oh, I don't really trust the guy behind me. You've got someone like Craig Gordon behind you, and you know you have so much confidence in him. And like I say, he's doing the same things for Scotland. It's absolutely brilliant, and what be 39 at the World Cup as well. So, yeah. <laughs> wow, you know that would be absolutely fantastic for him.
2: Is he the best goalkeeper in Scottish football at the moment, Shelley? I think
3: so. In form, um, he's he's definitely for me. Um, if you're I think Macy's done well for Hibbs mm-hmm. as well. Um, if you're talking about Scottish goalkeepers... You've got Alan
2: McGregor, who's obviously been top I, drawer for a long time. But but, but right he's been at, in and right out of the team. Uh-huh, and um, right at this moment, who would be your who would be your pick? And, and it would probably be Craig it Gordon. Would be, yeah.
3: It would be Craig Gordon for me.
2: Yeah. At the moment, of course, Shelley was talking about a missed opportunity for Celtic. No doubt about that. The fact they let Craig Gordon go and struggled so much to find a good goalkeeper last season. Have they found a good goalkeeper... In um, Joe Hart, Marv.
4: Yeah, I, I think never goalkeepers are good as well. I think it's kind of harsh, but I think that pressure that you have when you're playing at such a big club is, is the difference. And Joe Hart has that experience from being at Man City, playing, you know, at Tottenham. Obviously, didn't play that many games there, but also, you know, at England as well. Um, I think Joe Hart, again, like I was saying about Craig Gordon, it's not just about the saves, it's about how reassuring he is to other players, you know, the communication he has with others, um, he's constantly keeping them on their toes and it makes the team better, it makes the defenders better. Um, So I think, yeah, within Joe Hart, they've, they've found a goalkeeper. I know a lot of people were saying when he first came up, he's not played for a while, but... You know, he's kind of fitted in straight away. Made some vital, vital saves to them as well at times. And you know, he's he, again, he's a top goalkeeper because he's played at the level he has played.
3: Do you know what? I think I think he actually looks as if he's enjoying playing in front yeah. of you know a, a full stadium mm. at Celtic mm. Park. I think he's he, he looks as if he's enjoying his football again, which is a huge thing. You know, he's he's obviously got the captaincy when Callum McGregor was out there injured yeah. and. Um, Again, I think he's done well for Celtic. He's settled in really well.
4: I think he feels important again, doesn't he? Yeah. I think that's that's the key thing. I think the three years prior to come to Celtic, he's not played a lot of games. You know, he was at Burnley. He went from number two to number three to number four. He was was at Spurs. Went from number two again to number three. I think he just feels wanted.
3: Doesn't matter what you've achieved in your career, mm. everyone needs to feel that love. Yeah. Um, and and feel wanted. And he still thinks he can do a job. He's came to a massive club in yeah. Celtic, and I think he's embraced it.
2: You talked about him feeling important, Marv. Um, he is important, isn't he, at the moment? Massive. Not just his goalkeeping, but his organisation, just what he does behind a defence, because that Celtic defence is undoubtedly a work in progress.
4: Yeah, he's vital to it. Um, you know, they have a lot of young boys coming in and out of the defence, like you said. Um, but I think as a manager, knowing you have a goalkeeper that's going to talk and control kind of your defensive unit, you can then worry about the midfielders and the attackers, knowing that that kind of base is covered. And what better, you know, person to have in there than, than like I said, Joe Hart, a man who's, you know, won the English Premier League, has played at the top, top level Champions League. And those young defenders ahead of him, they're going to listen to absolutely everything he says, not just, you know, on the pitch, but also at training, you know, to make everyone better. You've got Barcaster, you've got Scott Bain as well, you've got Connor Hazard, who you know, can all learn from this man, because as I said, he's been at the top of the game, still performing really, really well. And it's absolutely vital for Celtic, you know, it was vital for them to get a goalkeeper in and they've done that with him.
2: But the Celtic fans will continue to be a little bit concerned, uh, Shelley, about their vulnerability at the back. Midfield to front, they um, they may be hard to beat in Scott, They may be as good as it gets at the moment in Scotland in terms of what they've got going forward. At the back, do you worry about Celtic defensively?
3: Yeah, I, I think that both Celtic and Rangers this season um, you know, have leaked goals that you wouldn't expect them to. I think... Um, Welsh is is shown a bit of maturity i think he's done well this season he settled and he's mm-hmm. been he's been the main man he's not, and, he's not been playing though has he of no, late but but he at the start of the season he's actually yeah. been the main man um you've got julian to come back mm-hmm. as well but it's definitely um you know having a good goalkeeper when you've got players missing from that defensive unit is so so important but um it's it's been tough i think Starfield everyone everyone's has been well documented in terms of how you know, or, or not so much how he's settled in, but in terms of his performances, I think he has to get better. And um, because there's no room for error when you play at Celtic, there is just no room for error. You have to, when you're a defender, you have to be getting, you know, eight out of ten every week. Yeah. Uh, anything below that isn't acceptable.
4: But and people talk about them being, sorry, Rob, about them being vulnerable. They've only conceded six goals, mm. you know, in the league. That's the same as Rangers. They've actually So is that wrong? Are they not vulnerable then? Yeah, well, I, I don't think so. Listen, at times it might look like they're, they're more all over the place than they have been in previous seasons. But like you said, they're, they're putting a new back four together. Mm. I wouldn't say they're vulnerable. Yes, they're conceding chances, but they've only conceded six goals, the same as Rangers. You know, they've scored, I think, five more goals than Rangers. So they've just been kind of, the results have fallen the wrong way for them. You know, obviously they lost at, at the start to Hearts when they brought, uh, start felt in. And I think that was his first day with the, with the squad or second day with the squad, which was very difficult. Obviously he made that mistake and then all of a sudden he was a bad defender. This guy's played international football. Like give him a bit of time to, you know, settle in. And I know Celtic, you know, fans wanted it here and now, but he is a good defender and he will show that over the course of the season. Um, I, I don't think they've run well. Listen, I just think that, at times, there's still work to be done there. Carter Vickers, I think, you know, again, someone else who's, who's a good defender, it's there's still work to be done. It's literally
3: a new team. Yeah. The, 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 the team that you played, yeah. um, the Livingston game, mm-hmm. you know, apart from Turnbull, Yeah. Um. you know, Welsh last season, it was literally, you know, nine players that were different from last season. That, that have let them
4: settle in, don't that you? That is
3: so yeah. tough to manage. You know, you had Jota, um, Abadza, um McCarthy in there. Yeah. You know, Bolling Collie was back in, Carter Vickers, mm. Juranovic. Yep. So that's literally a new team.
4: It's new, new team, new players, new style. And under know. normal
2: circumstances, you would get loads of time to, to bed everybody in, to gel it all together. But this is Celtic we're talking about. And, and, and the fans, you know, once we get... At the moment, it's fine, eight games in. But once yep. you get to February, March, what will the league table tell us at that stage? Because you would even at the moment, you mentioned, you used the phrase, um, "No, not much room for error, Shelley. I get the feeling I look at that league table and I think not much room for error with Celtic. They don't wanna get don't wanna let Rangers get much further away.
4: Yeah, but I think they're very close to being to kind of being where Ang wants them to be. Like you say, he's a new manager coming into this, you know, he's brought a lot of new players and they have to have a bedding in period. You know, all fans, you know, I support a team, I want them to be fantastic right now, but it's not always like that in football. You know, you've got a Rangers team full of confidence won the league last season. You've got Hearts who have came up, made a lot of, you no, know, signed a lot of players. You've got Hibs who are going from strength to strength. So it's not an easy league for them. But I think, you know, they're so close to being able to perform it. I don't think there should be any pressure. I'm not saying there is any pressure on the manager or the players at this moment in time. And you know what, if you get to the end of the season and it's not been, they're not won the league back, then I think you have to build for the future. Rangers didn't win it straight away under Stephen Gerrard, but it's now bearing the fruit. You know, you're seeing you know, everything that he kind of put in place. You saw last season when they went unbeaten and again at the top of the league this season. So we have to have a, a bit of patience. I get it that it's Celtic and Rangers. Both clubs want it here and now, but it has to be realistic at times.
3: When In any business, you, ha- you have a strategy and it's always long-term. Mm-hmm. But in football, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> everyone it. wants everything yesterday. And, you know, I, I quite like, you know, Angie's approach in terms of he's got this style of play that he wants to adopt, however you know there comes a point when you need to get results mm-hmm. um so it's getting the balance right mm-hmm. you know between developing that style of play and then winning
2: yeah there's logic and then there's Scottish football um, <laughs> and they don't always go together that's a, us uh, Just about through the first hour back for another hour of football chat big games coming up at the weekend talking about Celtic that could be tough for them at Fowl Park on Saturday Hibs against Dundee United is a cracker at Easter Road and of course Rangers against Hearts at Ibrox it's going to be some weekend
0: Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well the taxi centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof. Ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options, and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCenter.com, trade only.
1: The Go Radio football show with the Taxi Centre. Hosted by Rob McLean, Shelley Kerr and Marvin Bartley. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first. Let's go.
2: I think we're still all loving the feeling of Scotland being so close within touching distance of a, a second place finish in Group F in the World Cup qualifiers on the back of three points at Hamden last Saturday against Israel, a three, two, four minutes into stoppage time when Scott McTominay scored um, and then it also off his chest, he got it off his chest, Scott McTominay <laughs> did and... Uh, Lyndon Dykes did it as well in the Faroes for Scotland to take maximum out of that uh, international double header and uh, we're homing in now on uh, at least qualification for the playoffs Um, and then we'll we'll basically take one crisis at a time, I think, because when you look at some of the teams uh, potentially in those uh, playoffs it could get a bit tasty Shelley couldn't it I mean I think a lot could change uh, March Day 9 and 10 in terms of who are in those positions at the moment uh, but it could be tough and, and it's certainly no shoo-in just to reach the playoffs is it?
3: Do you know what I was checking all the teams like who was in second place and all the groups last night and I was like thinking regardless it's going to be tough yeah. but you don't get to a playoff and it's not going to be tough mm-hmm. you know that and yeah. you know that's the games that you want to play in I'm sure that's the games that Steve wants to test himself in, but also the players and that experience in the summer at the Euros, they they had a taste for it and they want more because you know, it's so special playing in a finals tournament. So and they will have learned heaps from it. So um yeah, I think they're building a bit of momentum again, which is brilliant timing, go over the line against Moldova and then let's see who we get.
2: Yeah, I mean, we were we were mulling over um, the list of, of potential opponents for Scotland last night on the show. Yeah. Uh, and at the at the moment, the seeded teams, um, and, and this could change obviously, but at the moment, Portugal, Switzerland, Scotland, Spain, Poland, and Croatia are the seeded six, uh, and then the unseeded teams: Czech Republic, who of course beat us in the summer; Norway, Romania, Ukraine, Wales, and Austria, who have just about edged out of. Uh, in Group F, so yeah. it could be pretty yeah.
4: tough. Yes, yeah, it's so, so difficult and I didn't know how it works. Obviously, some groups have six teams and some have five teams But then I've read up on it and basically the team who are in last place, you kind of strike strike that uh, result off. So obviously if yeah. Scotland were to... You know, yeah, so
2: Moldova doesn't yeah, they, actually matter. Yeah,
4: get a point basically, they win that game and then try and get a point against Denmark to stay within the seeded section. I think that would be enough. But as Shelley said, when you get to this this level of football, you know, you're going to play against good teams no matter what happens, seeded or unseeded um so you know scotland first and foremost need to get there but once they are there they're, they're gonna they want to play against these teams i don't, I don't think teams want to play against scotland you know i genuinely think they'll look at that and think you know i don't want to play against scotland you know they're going to be physical you've got john McGinn running into you at 100 miles an hour you've got lyndon dykes <laughs> pulling on the diagonal and throwing his arms everywhere no one wants to play against them so and that's a good thing for them but like i said first and foremost you know let's get there and then you look forward from there really
2: well done, you, on
4: reading up about the potential yeah, well, happenings. Yeah, in, key. In the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, well done
2: to you. Uh, preparation on this programme, uh, it's uh, never in uh, big supply, but uh, well done on <laughs> you for, for raising, raising the standards. It's a constant learning process, isn't it, uh, as a, an international manager, Shelley, as you know so well yourself. And, uh, and Stevie Clark is... He's got a great human touch about him, hasn't he, when he, when he pops up at the media conferences and he, and he does hold his hand up and he says, you know, I get things right, I get things wrong, I learn game to game. Um, you know, it does take time as an international manager, as you say, because the opportunities are so few, time is so limited. Um, what, is, he, is he learning at the moment that, that Nathan Patterson, for one thing, is a, is a first choice? At, at that, in that right wing back position?
3: I said this um, before the Israel game that up until the Israel game, I think all of us would be guessing Steve's teams every single international window. I think now um, he knows his best team. Um, you know, I think if you go back to previous games, he would have known what his team is and comfortable and confident with that team, but I don't think he knew his best team. Mm-hmm. I think he's in that position now after. Obviously, what we spoke about earlier, the foundations defensively, what system works the best, and then add to how you create and finish the attack. So, he's got all of that now, all of that information, and he's got the experience of, obviously, the big games, the pressure games at a, at a major tournament. So, you know, taking that into consideration, I think that he's right on point. And then the next part of that is also managing the players. You know, I think when he first came in by his own admissions he had double sessions. And I think by communicating to the players, getting some feedback, I don't think he does double sessions anymore. Um, I think last week when they met up, normally they would come in on a Sunday night. I think he gave the players, you know, to the Tuesday to come in because they they weren't playing till later on in in the weekend. Well, the weekend, sorry. And I think those things that you have to keep evolving yourself as a manager to understand obviously the bigger picture and what the players want and and as managers we don't always get that right but I think it's something he's been more open-minded about and it's been a success for him.
2: I spoke about Gary McAllister's sidestep earlier on. So what about my Nathan Patterson question? Any chance of you answering (laughs) it? Is is he first choice? Is Nathan Patterson a first choice now in that right wing back position? Is is that something that that, that he's taken out of recent games?
3: I think you just need to look at Steve's selection. You know, I've just said it. he he knows his best team now. Um, And I think obviously the experience at the Euros, Nathan coming in there, um, obviously, albeit he was a bit part player, he's seen him play more for Rangers now. So, yeah, I mean, that was an important game. We had to win that game. So, for me, you know, that's, his selection speaks volumes in yeah. terms of what he sees as his best starting 11.
2: Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, he's he's 20 on Saturday, yeah. um, Nathan Patterson. Billy Gilmore is 20. Uh, but they're two guys who are stick-ons at the moment, aren't they, to, to be in that starting 11?
4: Yeah, and Steve Clark's you know, showing that it doesn't matter your age, if you're good enough, you're going to play. And that's a fantastic thing for the other under-21 boys as well, to say, listen, if we can get into that main squad and we're doing well for our club teams, we are going to play. Um, I think it's difficult for Steve because, as I said, you know, it's kind of horses for courses. At times, I think Patterson will play. At times, somebody else will be right wing back. Um, there's a lot that I think goes into it. I don't think he just says, right, this is my this is my best eleven, but as Shelley said, the the big game was the Israel game and you know he started him at right wing back. Maybe he thought his strength, you know, which is kind of getting up and down was what was needed there, rather than kind of, you know, Donald's like kind of experience and, and the way he plays the game. So, you know, Scotland have got a bright future, you know, those two especially are real you know good good players You've got lewis ferguson also you know coming through turnbull another one so you look at the core of young players that are coming through now for scotland it is it's exciting
3: I, I think um for me you know in terms of in the central area of the pitch billy gilmore i think has been that instrumental player in terms of linking you know the defense in terms of building the attack to create because he and I, again i spoke about him before the israel game I've never seen a young player, um, Scottish young player, scan so much. He wants the ball all the time. He's got a confidence to to go all the way back, you know, to you know, twenty yards from goal, take the ball against top opposition. He will switch the play. He will get up to support. Um, and for me, that that's been instrumental in our success because. In the midfield, and and Marvel tell you this as well. You have to have the balance right. You can't have if you're playing with a central three. You can't have the three players all the same with all the same qualities. No. You have no. to have the balance. You have to have more of a one that'll I'll be a destructor. You have to have one that'll go up in support. And you have to have the playmaker. Yeah. So you have to have that the right balance. And for me, Billy Gilmore brings that to the team. I think it, it, if he wasn't in the team, I don't think we would be playing as well.
4: Yeah, he's fantastic. Like you said, I, I'm the same. I don't think the team will be playing as well without him. And it's a massive statement to make cause the boy's yeah. 20 years of age. But yeah. he does literally controls the game, yeah. goes and gets it, you know, gives it, gets it back again. And if he does give it away, he works hard to get the ball back as well. He's not the sort of playmaker that I'll give the ball away and be like, oh, can you get that ball back for me? And then you know, I'll come to life again when we've got it. He does the ugly side as well. And like I said, 20 years of age, you know, what a career he has ahead of him. And, you know, Scotland are lucky to have a player like that.
2: And as you say, Shirley, I, I I do like that midfield balance of of Gilmore and McGregor and McGinn, and so is Scott McTominay's best position in the Scotland team on that right side of the back three, stepping in, starting the play from the back. Is is that is that the best mix for Scotland with him there?
3: That's a tough one, mm, yeah. um, and I think that what you have to factor in, you know, as well as like different um, after the Moldova game in Denmark when you go into the playoffs but when they're double headers you know it's different it's hard to manage that the, the group players. Um I, I don't know I, I see Scott McTominay playing for Manchester United and, and the midfield area and he's fantastic he's he's got athleticism he can pick out a pass you know he, he could probably add more goals to his game but he is a threat he's a threat mm-hmm. from set plays so i yeah, I think his best position is in the midfield, yeah. but I like him playing, coming out, especially in a three at the back. I like him because what he does really well is, he, you know, a lot of teams sit in, so to try and commit players, he drives with the ball, he steps into the midfield, and that gives you an overload in the midfield. And he does it brilliant. You know, I don't, I don't think we've got, Kieran Tierney does it really well yeah. when he plays on the left side, um, Jack Henry not so much, but I think that having him in that position, it gives you an extra player. That's actually a playmaker in the central area in the pitch.
2: And, and it could could it be a possibility that, that Man United he's gonna play in the midfield. That yeah. seemed, that seems obvious and seems certain. Yeah. But maybe for Scotland, the best place, you know, in terms of the chemistry right throughout the team, maybe that's the best place for him.
4: Yeah, my worry would be that when you go to like kind of the next level and you are looking at the kind of the playoff games and you might be defending more than you are getting on the ball. Mm. That'd be my only worry for him because like you said, on the ball he's absolutely fantastic stepping in, you know, spraying passes. Um, given it, creating the overloads. But when you've got to defend more than you're attacking, then I think I'm not sure how much of a great defender, like I say centre-back, you know, he is. It's very different being a centre-midfielder, you know, breaking that play and kind of in the vicinity of where you are. But when you go to a centre-half, it's a lot, lot different. And if you do miss that tackle as a centre-midfielder, you've got boys behind you or girls behind you, they're going to, you know, make it up for you. But when you're a centre-half and you're doing that, it's very, very difficult. You know, your positioning between you and your wing-back has to be spot-on as well. Um, you know, when you're dealing with a left winger down his side. I I just think, you know, it's fine doing it against some teams, but I think once Scotland do get to the playoffs, I think you might see Steve Clark change it up just a little bit. It's a great
3: point because, I mean, the Israel game and the Pharaohs, not being disrespectful Mm. because, and especially Israel, they're a really, really good team. But if you're looking to plan and do your game plan scenarios, you would foresee that you're going to have more of the ball so that would have been in Steve's mind in terms of, you know, McTominay coming from the defence into the midfield. But as as Marv says, when you're playing against better teams, mm-hmm. you need to be solid. And if you look back to the Israel game, I think, you know... I think the first two goals, Jack Henry and Scott McTominay were at fault, you know, yeah. whether it was giving away the set play or whatever, but if memory serves me correct, yeah. so and, and sometimes when you know playing in that position, you can be a little bit rash. I mean, obviously Jack Henry plays in there, but I yeah. do think he's got a tendency to be quite rash, so you need a bit of experience in there. And don't forget, Grant Hanley was fantastic before this, and, and he was out um, for the Israel game because he was suspended. But I think... And he, he's come to a point in his career, I think he's got better as he's got older. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He reads the game so well, he now intercepts, he he, he reads the ball and he, and he doesn't sit back, he goes and intercepts mm. and he's actually playing the ball out of defence as well, whereas maybe a few years back he, he was renowned for just clearing the ball but now he's actually, and I, I don't know if he's gained a yard in terms of pace, he, yeah. he, he looks as if he's quicker.
1: His recovery
2: yeah. is good, isn't it? It is.
3: Yeah. I, I th- a lot of credit has to go to a player Um. You know, a senior player. I'm not saying that he's he's older, but he's a senior player and I think a lot of credit has to go to him because he's obviously worked really, really hard in, you know, at Norwich to get himself in that position. I think he's been brilliant for Scotland of late. Yeah,
2: and, he, and he obviously really affects the ball. We're talking balance in the midfield. Yeah. He, he affects the balance at the back, doesn't he? Because he is an out-and-out defender and you probably need him in there if you've got Tierney on one side and McTominay on the other. Oh of course
4: you do like you said it you know balance is key and I think yeah his positioning and stuff's got so much better of, of recent and that's probably why he looks quicker because he's a you know up here he's a yard ahead he knows where the ball's going he's anticipating where it's going now he seems to be playing with more confidence as well. Like I said when the ball comes in the box you fancy him getting his head on it as well. Both in both boxes. Um so yeah it's so important to have that, that middle centre half it isn't out and out you know defender when you have got like a centre midfielder on one side and a left back on the other Um, But yeah, that would be my only worry, like I said, you know, going into the, you know, against the better teams in the playoffs. I think, you know, you probably need at least two centre-halves in there and, you know, Kieran Tierney will be the other one on the left-hand side. But yeah, Hanley's been been fantastic and he's been a captain of Norwich, you know, so that shows, you know, the confidence they have in him as well. He's playing in the the Premier League now, which is absolutely brilliant.
2: And he needs adaptability, doesn't he, Stevie Clark? He needs, because you get situations like the Moldova game where you've got a couple of players suspended. That that happens, you get injuries, you get suspensions uh, and you've got to rethink. So it's all very well me picking my dream team for Scotland but actually <laughs> it you know, goes way beyond 11 players, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, and these are things that you can't control as a manager and that's why you, you, you have to have depth in your squad and I think we've got that, we've got... Players in there that want to come away with the national team, whether regardless if they're going to play a single minute or not, and that, that's a credit to what Steve's built and um, not just the environment but the way they're playing. And it goes down to Marvin mentioned, mentioned it earlier success. We've had success, and you know, that success is continuing. People might argue and say, Well, we, if, six, if you're looking at success, then we should be topping the group. Realistically, you know, in terms of rankings our aim was to actually try and get to the playoffs. Yeah. If you win the group, great, absolutely fantastic. But in terms of rankings and where we're at as a nation, then, you know, we're achieving what we've set out to achieve. Um, but I, I, going back to, obviously, the point of Grant Hanley comes in, mm-hmm. then, you know, I think that having Scott McTominay playing on the right, as opposed to Jack Henry, I, yeah. I would be comfortable with that yeah, yeah. because... Even although Jack Henry's probably you know more natural in terms of that defensive position, I still like, especially in a back three, someone with a bit of composure to step into the midfield. Mm-hmm. And the passing range is huge, especially you know the outballs that we've used of late to Lyndon Dykes, for example. Yeah. Obviously, Shea Adams obviously got injured, but that's a great outball for us. And then when you add in John McGinn playing off those two. That's fantastic, but you need the deliveries in there. You need the distribution
4: on point.
2: And what that means potentially is you're leaving out a player like Jack Hendry, who's starting at the moment with Club Bruges in the Champions League.
4: Yeah, but that's that's what football's about, isn't it? It's a, it's a squad game. I mean, you've got good players in, in in those positions, and that's what happens. Someone has to miss out. You know, you he misses out, or you know, McTominay who plays at Man United misses out. So yeah. you know, it's 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 crazy. Who are you going to leave out? Way. That's yeah, a, that's exactly. a big question. Yeah, I think. If it's the Denmark game, I think I, I would go with Hendry in the defence, and McTomney has to go into midfield for me. But then you have to leave out a midfielder. So who
3: are you leaving out?
4: <sighs> Come on, you're, you're in
3: management now.
4: What about when Ryan Jack? What when Jack's back fit
2: again? You know yeah. how good was he for Scotland before he was injured?
3: Yeah. yeah, he was he was brilliant. I think it's going to take Ryan a bit of time yeah. to get back yeah. up to speed. Been He's been out lot. a long time.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm just talking about the choices we I have. Essentially, the,
3: the choices are brilliant, and it's great. You mentioned Lewis Ferguson as well, mm-hmm. David Turnbull, who hasn't yeah. really had a lot of opportunities, yeah. been in the squad, but he Stuart hasn't. Stuart Armstrong. Stuart Armstrong. James Ryan Christie Forrest is not it. now what I would say is Steve's starting, and he's starting 11. Yeah. So it, I think it's brilliant because it's competitive, and that's what you want a national team to be is competitive in terms of positions and, you know, trying to get into that starting team everyone has to be on form at their clubs
4: yeah i think that's why you don't get a lot of pullouts anymore i think scotland you know before you see boys you know if it's friendlies are oh, i'm not going to play and i'm going to pull out of that i know i'll be in the next squad now you can't afford to do that you know being called up's an honor it should have always been yeah. but now it definitely is an honor because you know if you don't take your opportunity in that squad there's somebody else you know ready to come in um so i think you know that's again down to steve clark because you know winning winning games breeds that you know people want to be involved everyone wants to be involved in it and. You now now he's got probably thirty thirty five players that he could really pick from, and you know, no one can have an argument if they go into the squad.
3: These We're guys a... have elevated the nation. Yeah. You know what? At, during the summer, obviously getting there, um, the playoffs, and you know we all went through all the emotions there, the penalty shootout. Mm-hmm. But they've, they've elevated the full full nation. You know they've captivated the country and hopefully they can do it again in terms of getting to another finals. It would be amazing.
2: Yeah, it was so important, wasn't it, to build on uh, on reaching the Euros and we didn't want that to be a one-hit wonder, but uh, Scotland on track for qualification uh, for this World Cup. Still a way to go, but uh, one win away. Uh, Moldova in a month's time. Three more points and Scotland will finish second in Group F. Um, looking back on uh, that great double header Israel and uh, the Pharaohs on the back of uh, six points in the previous two games as well, four in a row for Scotland as we head into club football this weekend and back with a bang you would have to say, Hibs against Dundee United, Motherwell against Celtic, Rangers Hearts, Ross County, St Mirren, St Johnstone against Livingston, Dundee Aberdeen
1: the Go Radio football show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's go, go, go.
2: Cheers Chris, that's you up to date on your travel Go Radio football show with the Taxi Centre. Marvin Bartley, Shelley Kerr, Rob McLean on duty tonight just about into the last half hour of the show. Looking back of course on uh, those Scotland results um, it's, uh, it's a good time to be a Scotland fan at the moment. Let's hope that continues. Uh, next month in Moldova and then of course the home game a sellout at Hamden against Denmark to finish off the group campaign but we're looking into the weekend as well all sorts of uh, big games uh, coming up Hibs against Dundee United Motherwell Celtic Rangers against Hearts at Ibrox is an absolute cracker of course Rangers last time out um, beat Hibs Two, one. But only after Ryan Porteous was uh, sent off after half an hour, Hibbs with 10 men for an hour of that game. Rangers finally found a way to get all three points and stay top of the Premiership. Um, worrying news today, just depressing news, I guess, coming from Hibbs head coach Jack Ross that uh, Porteous has uh, been suffering abuse after that red card um, at Ibrox. Jack Ross calling for more to be done to protect players from potentially dangerous taunts via, yes, you've guessed it, social media. Uh, Portia sent off for a a pretty wild tackle. I think we would probably all agree in that game, Uh, but certainly nothing uh, that justifies uh, the abuse, Marvin Barley, that seems to have been coming his way.
4: Yeah, like you said, depressing is is the right word. Uh, I was just reading through it there and and some of the things that have been directed at him uh, about his sexuality, why that's important, I have no idea, his religion, why that's important, again, I have no idea... And social media, you know, at this moment in time is, is a horrible, horrible place. Um, here's a young man um, living out his dream, playing for the club he's supported his whole life. Um, you know, having a good career in the game, playing in the, in the top of the, of the Scottish game. And he goes online and gets this sort of abuse. I, I, just, I just don't understand the individuals who think that it's okay to say these things. Um, it makes no sense to me at all. And, and I've tried to make sense of it time after time after time. And I, I really can't. I really don't understand how you pick up your phone, how you go on your laptop, and you write these sorts of things to another you know, human being. There's an individual at the other end of that, and Ryan's got to read these things and listen. If you've got a problem with his tackle or the way he's performing or anything else, he'll be able to take that. He's a big boy. But to say the things that people are saying to him, I, I just don't get why this is, you know, sneaking into football and why it's even in society. And you know, if you don't like him, then then don't then don't you know, talk to him. You know, don't send him messages on social media. But coming coming for his sexuality, as I said, you know why that's important. I've no never idea.
3: you'll never understand that you try, mm. but yeah. you, you'll you'll never no. you'll never understand what goes the mentality through, it, go, yeah. it goes through someone else's mind. I think that you know uh, the game itself. Um, I think was a really good game. <laughs> I think that obviously Hibbs went to Ibrox in forum. There's no doubt that the sending off um, had a huge impact in the. The game. I think that um, you know the tackle itself. It's been well documented. You know, you don't. We don't need to go over it. Uh, yeah. You know, I think the majority of people saw it as a red card, and you know that that should be the end of it. You know, as pundits, we we talk about incidents in the game. We talk about good performances. We talk about indifferent performances. But you will never understand. You know, uh, other people in terms of their approach to things. It's yeah. just yeah. I, we we keep on talking about the same things, don't
4: we? But yeah. we're embarrassing our, our, ourselves as a nation. You know, it's it's embarrassing to, for this to go on because other people see it, and you know we're trying to deal with other problems where where you know teams are coming from the rest of Europe and they're coming here and saying certain things to to our players on the pitch. But you know when we look at within our own house, we've got stuff like this going on, and and as I said, it's embarrassing. Mm. You know, because it's 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 a human saying one human saying it to another. We could stop this overnight because we are saying it now. It's going on from. You know, someone within Scotland is saying that to Ryan Porches. Why does he deserve that? He doesn't deserve it. He's going out there trying to do his job. Why do people think this is acceptable? And I said, social media companies, I keep saying it about them, they don't care about it. What's going to happen? Because I'll tell you what will happen one day. A, a young player will end up taking his own life or her own life. Then what? Then people are going to be saying, oh, it's really sad, you know. And, and the individuals that are sending these things should be prosecuted because it's not acceptable. It's a form of bullying. Mm. Like, why are they doing it? You know, if this was their child being treated that way, they'd be the first up in arms about it. But yeah, other individuals think it's okay to do it to somebody else. I've got no time for it. And you know, it's just, I just wish people would think before they, you know, do stuff like this, because it has a long lasting effect. And they think they'll just send it, Oh, put their phone down. But Ryan will be thinking about this today, tomorrow, next month, next year, even, mm. you know, there's a long lasting effect on the victim that people just think, oh, I'll write this. It's just a few words to me. I'll send it. I'll screenshot. i send it to my, look what I sent to Ryan Just Look what I sent to Marvin Byrne. Look what I sent to whoever else. And that's it done for them. But the victim is not done that quickly.
2: Yeah, the time to deal with it is now, as you say before, it's too late. Just looking at some of Jack Ross's uh, quotes, um, he says, we have to separate what happened on the pitch. It was a tackle, and there are lots of different opinions on how bad a tackle it was. Was it a good tackle or a red card? That's done. Uh, But in the aftermath of that, uh, Ryan has received an awful lot of abuse that goes beyond the pale, in my opinion. It's unacceptable. I've seen screenshots of sectarian abuse, homophobic abuse, people wishing him to die. I was pretty shocked by the venom. Oh, shocking. It's
3: just, you get lost for words and, and, you know, Marv's obviously spoke about social media. It has a huge impact on people's lives and not just the individual, their families, everyone that's connected with them. I, I just, I, I, I can't understand it and social media has got a lot to answer for. But, you know, Jack Ross's comments, they are great from his point of view that he's supportive of his player because you have to be in you know you should get that support, but what happens on the pitch? Um, you know you don't do everything perfect as a footballer um, on the pitch, and, and people need to accept that. It's I, I, I'm, I'm lost for words because yeah. every single week we're talking about it. Marvel yeah. also made a point about you know we need to get our own house in order first. Yeah, we need to get our own house in order first.
2: Yeah, when we criticise other nations uh, and what they get up to. Um, we have to sort ourselves out as well, don't we? I mean, you'll know him. I mean, he's he's twenty two, Ryan yeah. Porteous now. You yeah. know, he comes across as a as a strong character. Um, but what is he like? And he, I mean, what anyone's going to be affected by this anyway?
4: Yeah, he's a strong character on the football pitch. He wants to win. He has that will to win. But he's still, uh, you know, without being disrespectful, he's still a young kid. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, he's twenty two years of age. You know, he he doesn't want to pick up his phone and read those things because, you know, I've been on the on the receiving end of messages like that and and obviously other messages as well and. And mentally, it's very, very difficult to deal with it. You know, and I received these messages you know, well into my 30s. This is a boy who's 22 years of age. That will affect him. There's no doubt about it. You know, we can talk about how strong he is mentally. That will, that will affect him. Reading those things will be hurtful to him. You know, and he would have gone to the club and said, look what I'm receiving, gone to his friends, gone to his parents, look what I'm receiving. Because he's trying to do his job, because he's been sent off in a game of football.
3: Just because you're a footballer or a football manager or you're in the public eye, it's no excuse for people to abuse you. Mm. Um, it, it's totally unacceptable and you know going back to Ryan um, you know I, I watched the game and um, you know you as a pundit you give your views on certain things in the games but I'll, te- I'll tell you what he's a good footballer yeah. and he's a fantastic young talent I like him as a player I think he's got an edge to his game which I like and you know I think as a defender I love to see the way he plays. I just think he could control it a little bit better. But that's from a football perspective. Yeah. The other stuff, it's yeah. not acceptable.
2: That's garbage, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, in terms of his football, it's a fine line, isn't it? Between being a, a strong defender who strikes fear into players yeah. um, and one who just goes over that line. Well, you don't and, and then, take, you can, then you can become a liability. You don't want to
3: take too much out of his game. Yeah, exactly. But, but he needs to have... I, I talk about um, controlled aggression. Yeah. So you can have the aggression, but it needs to be controlled.
4: Yeah, definitely. And you, when you go in at that sort of pace, and you know, I've spoken to him about it before. I, obviously, I played with him when he's first coming through, but he would tackle the same way in training. Like he would, he would go into tackles like that in training, and. Like you said, Shelley. Like when he gets more experience, I think that will come out of his game, and he will begin to realize. And that sending off, he will realize I can't go in like that unless I'm hitting the ball one hundred percent. Because as soon as I do miss the ball, I'm giving the referee a decision to make, and I can't afford. It. And listen, it's not like he's been sent off every other week. You know, I think he's been sent off twice in his career. So. I think somebody
2: was. I think it was maybe Stephen Craigan who tends to be on top of all these sort of yeah. stats. Who said he was yellow carded seven times last season? I mean that's incredible. I got fifteen. Yeah, well, I I one well, of exactly, so.
4: exactly. Marvin. No, that's no. ridiculous. <laughs> I was getting the legs were going, Shelley That's what I'll happened. That's, that's what ridiculous. What stop now. <laughs> but yeah, like listen, he, he has got he has got that side to him. But that's what makes him a good defender. If you took that away from him, he's not going to be the same player. You know, but yes, as I said, the more experience he'll get, he'll realise the ones he can go into and win the ball at 100%. And he'll realise the ones that are maybe 50-50, and he has to ease off a bit. Maybe he has to stay on his feet, maybe he has to win the ball cleaner. But as I said, he learns from his experience. Like anybody, any young person out there who's in any job, any walk of life, you learn from your experiences.
3: As a centre-back, you you get better as you get older and you mature in terms of your reading of the game and your decision-making and as I say, I rate him really, really highly. I think he's a good player. He's a
2: future Scotland centre-back, isn't I, he? I think
3: he is. There's no doubt about that.
2: Well, let's talk about uh, the football uh, side of things uh, because that is all too depressing um, mm-hmm. when the conversation comes around to social media and abuse, as it so often does, uh, sadly. But what about Hibbs? Can they can they bounce back? Will they bounce back from the result uh, at Ibrox two weeks ago? Um We'll never know how it would have panned out had they had they kept all 11 on the pitch. But they look a squad, Shelley, well equipped um, to, to sustain a, a challenge at the top end this season. But that's a big game against Dundee United, who've done so well so far.
3: I think when you compare and contrast to Hearts, we, we spoke about them earlier, that they've got a really good goalkeeper. And Macy, I think he, he's done fantastic. And they've got, you know, goal scorers, you know, whether it's Boyle or whether it's Nisbet, they've got goal scorers there as well. Um, I'll tell you, I think, I talk about him all the time as Newell. I think he's a fantastic player. I think Hibs are much better when he's in the team. I think he can see, you know, when players are making penetrating runs. um, He's got an eye for a pass. um, He can create space for others. I think he's a really, really intelligent footballer. Um, You know, I I think the one thing, although we're talking about, you know, Ryan Porteous as as a good defender, I I still think there's a weakness defensively. Defensively for yeah. Hibs, there's a vulnerability there, mm-hmm. but I think you know midfield to front, um, they're very very good. Um, I think they're up against it against Dundee United. Dundee United are well set up, they're well organised, um, so it'll be a tough game. But I, I do like um, the style that Jack's adopted with Hibs. I like the brandy football. I, when I watch football, I want to see decent football. I want to yeah. see teams playing nice football and with a purpose Mm -hmm. you know not just side to side passing but you know with that intent to you know be creative in the final third and get that end product and I see that in Hibs Um, you know obviously they need to fine tune it and I think when you play like that you need to have a solid back line and and that's something that a wee bit there's a vulnerability there as I said earlier
2: and Marv, they're doing what they're doing at the moment without Christian Doidge as well, who has been a, such a big player for them. You know, yep. considering they're such a still such a threatening team on the attack, uh, you know, Doidge is a big miss. isn't Yeah,
4: he? definitely, he's a massive miss for them. Although I do think Hibbs are better playing with, with one striker. If they do play two, I think Martin Boyle has to be the second one, which means they're going to kind of the three-five-two. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a he's a huge miss for them. But as Shelley said, you know, they've got win, willing runners as well. Martin Boyle off the ball every single time Hibbs turn the ball over, he just runs forward. The pace he has, you know, it stretches the game for the Joe Newells to come in. Cadden, another willing runner to go forward. Scott Allen can get on the ball. And I think Jack Ross has got it perfectly at this moment in time, the way they are playing. And even against Rangers, like I said, they were warning up until obviously the sending off. It's not easy to go to Ibrox and, and play that way. They were very, very patient. But on the counter attacks they did look dangerous. And like you said, it's a huge game for them because Dundee United are a team who are extremely well drilled. Uh, Liam, Liam Fox went there from, from us during the summer. A uh, really, really good coach, and you know he's imposing that. Obviously, working with Tam as well, the first team manager. So it will be difficult for him. But if you want to be up in that top three, their games, you have to be winning at home. And you know, I think those players will be expecting to win that game.
2: Would you like to have seen Martin Boyle in the blue of Scotland rather than the gold of the Socceroos, Shelley?
3: I think he would have added value um, as a squad player. Um, obviously, he made that decision, and you know there's no return now. But certainly, when he plays in that Hibs team, they're always a threat. I actually think back to the Rangers game, and I think Martin played through the middle. Yeah, I, I, I was intrigued by that because I thought that he could have got at Barisic because Barisic hasn't been firing this season in my opinion yeah. and I thought it would have been an interesting matchup in terms of, you know, creating and 1v1s down that, that side. Yeah. Um, I thought it was an, an interesting tactic.
4: I think in order to get him out there on that right-hand side though, it means you go to a back four yeah. and I don't think he was as comfortable w- with a four there, especially dog is very attacking from the left-back position so he, he leaves big holes kind of down the side for Paul Hannon. and no disrespect to him, pace isn't his best attribute. So I think that's why sometimes they do go over the back three and like you said, it is interesting to see Martin you know, play through the middle and he does drift from kind of left to right but I think his best position I agree is, is right wing and he gets at you 1v1 because he's so hard to stop.
2: Some big games Saturday and that's just one of them Hibs against Dundee United.
1: The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's
2: go! go, 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 go. Shelley Kerr, Marvin Bartley and Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Talking about big games at the weekend. We were talking there about Hibs against uh, Dundee United. The top six all come together At the weekend, uh, Celtic at Fir Park against Motherwell. uh, Rangers against Hearts at Ibrox. That is a belter, isn't it? With just a point between the top two. And we, there are going to be some away fans inside Ibrox. I I
5: like away fans on the ground. I think when there's two sets of fans going at each other, it it makes for a better atmosphere. And and I'm I'm a big fan of, of home and away fans in every ground. That's the first
2: time that a Premiership opponent has had fans inside Ibrox this season and you heard Gary McAllister there giving his reaction to it eh, that's got to be a step forward Shelley hasn't it? Ah,
3: fantastic, it's been a long time coming you know just obviously having one set of fans in but I think it'll be brilliant um, brilliant for both sets of supporters but brilliant for both sets of players as well
2: Yeah, 916 uh, hearts fans, <laughs> roughly, uh, are going to be inside Ibrox. Um,
3: 916, how know,
2: does that I work know, out? I know, <laughs> I know. Goodness knows, some of the top num- number crunchers in the business presumably uh, came up with that one. Here's Scully McAllister talking about uh, what Hearts mean as an opposition.
5: well, they, they look very compact, they look very together. I know their team spirit sometimes, you know, hides the fact that they're playing really good football, but I think they're a, they're a bit of both. And it's, it's, it's impressive that the fact that the two Edinburgh clubs have, are challenging, they're up there at the top of the table. And we look forward to the challenge. We had we had the a here a fortnight ago, and we we welcome Hearts here in, on Saturday.
2: I don't think the season has probably panned out the way the Hearts fans, Shelley, were expecting it uh, to pan out. They were they were probably expecting to be getting on Robbie Nielsen's case um, in the first couple of months of the season. Um, but uh, the quality of football, the results, incredible.
3: Yeah, I think the Hearts fans are, are in good spirits. Um... You know, sometimes as a manager, you, you can't you can't get it right all the time in, in the fans' eyes. But um, I think the one thing that's been done really well, um, and I don't know how much Joe Savage has had to do with it, obviously the new sporting director there at Hearts, but the recruitment's been fantastic. You know, yeah. whether it's loan players or, you know, n- n- new signings, but uh, if you look at them, I think we mentioned Beningame earlier, Devlin, you've got Woodburn in there as well. I mean, they've, they've added, you know, so much value. Obviously, Barry Mackay coming in gives you that out-and-out width. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that it's, again, the balance of the team. You've got that supply in the box to to boys who obviously is right up there in terms of goals scored this season. But um, And we spoke about, obviously, Craig Gordon as well. But I think defensively, Hearts have done well this season so far. But it, it is going to be a tough game for both both sides yeah. um, but I mean I'm looking at the card at the weekend um, it's brilliant there's some brilliant games for mm. different reasons you know we're kind of just talking off air there as well Dundee and Aberdeen
1: mm. Well, that,
3: that's a must that's a must
2: win game yeah, yeah. I mean what happens if Dundee for, for Dundee, Dundee well, and Aberdeen well, you've well, got well, to, exactly. they've got to win that game yeah, but, yeah. but look at the expectations you know Dundee would expect probably to be scrapping down at the bottom end this, this season but for Aberdeen Eight points from eight games, nine games without a win. That's pressure, isn't
4: it? Oh, massive pressure, you know, especially when you're coming in after Derek. And I know the fans weren't happy with his style of play um, towards the end of kind of his tenure. But you know, Stephen Glass has gone in there and it's it's not an easy job. You know, he, again, he's brought in a lot of players. Um, he's tried to change the way they play. Uh, they're trying to play out from the back a, a little bit more. But he seems to be chopping change in it because he, I think he's just trying to find that right formula at this moment in time. And like you said, the return points-wise hasn't hasn't been great. But again, you need patience because what's what's the point in you know giving him three more games and if they don't pick up you know two wins or whatever, you get rid of him and bring in another manager. You're starting again. Mm. You have to trust the, kind of the process that he's trying to get them That's to go log- through. That's logical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, you know they signed J Emmanuel Thomas from us, who's been kind of in and out of the team. Um, you know, and when I looked at the way Aberdeen played and and they signed Jet for as fantastic as he is, you know, I didn't think he was the right sort of player to to go in there. Mm. Um, you know, I don't think you can play him and Ramirez at front together because. None of them, without being disrespectful again, have got that pace to kind of go in behind and stretch things. Um, but listen, they've got more than enough good players to turn it around. And this will definitely be a game they'll be looking at, you know, knowing the form that Dundee are on. Yes, forget about Aberdeen's form. You go in there, you obviously got Scott Brown again in the middle as well to, to add that experience. They'll be looking at this game saying, we actually need to win this. You know, a point isn't going to be sufficient. We need to win this game and kickstart our season. You know, so if they go into this game and they don't win it, I think the pressure, not on the manager maybe, but on the players is going to be absolutely massive. Then you're looking over your shoulder, but you're looking the wrong way. They want to be looking up the league. Mm. And when you start looking over your shoulder, at a big club like Aberdeen, you know, something's not going right. I, th-
3: I think for me, they've missed Ryan Hedges. He's, he, he's, yeah. he's, he's out injured, and yeah. um, you know he's he's so creative. Um, he's pacey. He's, he's mobil- got a spark, He, he has. He's, mm. he's got a bit of life in him, and you know he's got a wee bit, you know, gold dust in his play. And I think he finds space on the pitch where others can't. And y- it has been a big miss for Aberdeen in terms of the style of play. Um, so, and and also they've had their, their challenges defensively as well. Um, yep. Joe Lewis, who's normally been so, um, you know, he, he provides that security um, in the last line of defence. I think he hasn't been performing as well, and mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder if it's because of the captaincy thing. You know, you you've went from being pressure. the captain yep. that's been taken off you, and how does that affect you mentally? I'm not saying it has, but y- you just wonder, you know, the reason for someone that's been a top performer for seasons for Aberdeen yeah. that's been, you know, went off the boil a wee bit. It's so, so
4: interesting, it, sorry, that, Rob, that you, you do mention Hedges. Like, we are speaking about Martin Bull stretching the pitch for, for Hibs. He does the same thing for Aberdeen. So when you play against Aberdeen without Hedges, you think to yourself right let's get on top of them mm-hmm. you know, let's really squeeze this line up because nobody's going to run away from you going the other way and it makes it a lot harder for their ball playing players to find spaces because when hedges is on the pitch you're probably 20 yards 30 yards deeper as a defensive line because you don't want to be in a foot race with him no chance but when you can squeeze the game it allows you know if defenders can squeeze the game the midfielders can get tighter to their midfielders and your attackers can get tight to their defenders it doesn't allow them to play from the back And i think that's the problem they've had when he doesn't play and at times i felt they've rushed him back a little bit just yeah. to try and get him back out there yeah. and then he's kind of you know had reoccurring injuries
2: and I think one another problem for Aberdeen is that that in the bulk of their games so far have been against bottom half teams, mm-hmm. the likes of Saint Mirren, Saint Johnston, yeah. um, Motherwell before they went into the top half. Say it, Rob Ross, Ross Say it. Well, they did they did beat <laughs> your mob as well. So, so to, to have to have got only eight points from from eight games so far, they're sailing into obviously games against most of the top half.
3: Yeah, and and that's why the supporters are a wee bit up in arms right now um, because, obviously, they're expected to have gathered more points than what they have at this stage of the season. But, you know, I even go back to, you know, if you're looking at personnel, I think Scott Brown was a brilliant signing for them. But you just wonder as well, McCrory there, you know, where is his best position, you know? And do you play with a central three in there or... You know he's been he's played fullback he's played then you know centre half then, yeah. and then you know in the midfield where is his best position where are you mm. going to get the best out of him that that has an impact on the team's performance um, because there's no doubt that you know last season he was flying I think when him and Lewis Ferguson played yeah. together in mm. this, that central midfield there, that was a brilliant partnership yeah. you know I think they, you want
2: him charging with the ball if yeah, possible yeah, don't yeah. you I mean
3: they two were devastating they had a brilliant understanding a great relationship um, but you you know you have to. You have to get the right back we, talk- we spoke about it all night you have to get the right balance in the team and so far i think that um it, you know it hasn't worked for aberdeen
2: when did scott brown last go in nine games without a win that's probably never happened in yeah his, exactly in his year.
4: um it's very very different for him isn't it being you know part of the celtic teams that he has been a part of and winning all the trophies that, that he has now you know they're looking like you said they've got eight points from eight games it's, it's very very different for him and i i agree with um you know Changing the midfield has probably hindered them a little bit. They had more legs within their last season. And I think around Scott Brown, you do need legs, but it's almost like they're playing a one-holder with him and then three in front. And I think it's, it's, there's far too much ground for him to cover. I'm not saying that he can't cover the ground, but I think he's so used to playing in there with another two, you know, that allows him to hold and pop up in areas to pick the ball up. Um, I think it's just, they maybe need to change that a little bit just to get, like I said, more legs in there, just to help him out a little bit. I think it will help him get up the pitch. But, you know, I think Macquarie at centre-half is... I mean, you got Declan Gallagher on the bench as well. You know, he's playing for Scotland, you know, only last season. Um, you know, went to the Euros, etc. So I know he's not had the best of starts there, but I think you have to get him back in the team. Him and Bates have to be the centre halves and say, "Listen, let's build from there."
2: Motherwell against Celtic at Fir Park—that's uh, going to be really interesting, isn't it? For for a Celtic side who are a work in progress, we've spoken about that, but they're also reassembling after the international break. They've had lots of players away on various bits of international business, pulling it all back together again. Against a Motherwell team who are flying at the moment, Shelley? Uh,
3: they are. I mean, let's touch base on Celtic first. I think that Callum McGregor was a bigger loss than what people anticipated he would be when he was injured. Um, I think a lot of onus was on David Turnbull. And again, you know, when you're used to playing with someone in that midfield area, I think it affected Turnbull's game. Um, but I think now that Callum McGregor's back, that will give them, you know, that consistency that they had. Uh, listen, I think Celtic are still a brilliant team. I, I think mm. they, they've been criticised this season because of the position and, you know, how far they are off the, the top of the league. But they're not that far off. We've, no, we've not yeah. played no. that. <laughs> we haven't played that many games this season, so I'm sure. I'm there's, sure only, there's only
2: thirty games left.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it will come for them. But, um, you know, then touching base on on Motherwell. Do you know who's been on fire this season? Is Tony Watt, mm-hmm. um, and you know he he's a bit more experienced now. I think he's he's added more aspects to his game, and I think it's been successful. Some brilliant signings as well, um, Graham Alexander, and you've got Liam Kelly who's who's doing well as well. He's call up for Scotland, obviously, and they're in the national team as well. So um, they're doing really well, um, and I think that. No, just in terms of starting eleven, they've got players that can come on and make a difference as well. But mm. I've been quite impressed with, with our signings. Um, you get Woolery in there, and
4: Van Veen's been Van, fantastic. Van
3: Veen's been fantastic. I'm, I'm, it's it's an interesting one because I, I first saw Van Veen um, in the Betfred Bedf- Cup at the start of the season, and he played yeah. through the middle. Yeah, and he was frightening. And 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 I think you know those three can interchange positions, yeah. and you know it'll cause teams problems.
4: Yeah, they're really narrow, aren't they, for a front yeah. three? Normally you have like a right winger, a left winger. One might be inverted, then you have the centre four. But those three are so narrow. Cause I don't think any of them want to be wide enough to track back, that's why. <laughs> so all three of them just stay through the middle. But I saw him play against Hibs at the start of the season and he was man of the match on the losing team. Honestly, I played against him actually in England when he was at Sconthor. But what a player. Like, he really, really is a good player. Do you
3: know the other thing as well? I've watched um, Grimshaw playing of late and if you think back to last season he was out injured for a wee while but you know left back right back but yeah. now he's in He's more natural position in the centre of the pitch Yeah.
6: you
3: know so I, I definitely it's taken Graham a bit of time to probably get you know a balanced team that mm-hmm. he's happy with and um, yeah I, I, as I say I, I like watching them and you know you've got you know, McGinley there as full yeah. back as well who does really well and you got Lamy and Mugabe in there yeah. as well so yeah,
2: yeah. Good team. you're talking about great front three what about the celtic front three is there a better front three <laughs> in scottish football at the moment Bada on the right Jota on the left and kiogo through the middle
4: for me that's that's the best front three at uh, this moment in time and it kind of shows with the amount of goals they've scored as i said they're the top scorers in the league um those three are fantastic you know and you've got their new players to to the league as well so they're probably still settling in which is a worrying thing for kind of the rest of the premier league um but yeah those 3 there, you know they're, they're young they're energetic um they want to constantly attack but they also work hard going the other way you know they really do work hard going the other way and i spoke about celtic last season said so they lost their fear factor it's definitely back when you see those th- those three lining up yeah. against you and you know we kept a clean sheet against them um but luckily enough but you know when you see those three lining up you know, fantastic front three and now, I think that they'll fire Celtic through so many games this season That would be like we'll concede two but we'll go and sc- score three or four goals and those two have the ability to do that
2: we could talk football all night but we don't have time to because you've got a birthday to prepare for uh, Shelley <laughs> this, is the birthday. this is the party uh, uh, <laughs> this is the party let's get those candles lit um, have a good day tomorrow thanks Thank uh, Thanks for this and thanks for tomorrow you have a good day tomorrow as well even yep. though it's not your birthday better
4: on Saturday exactly
2: <laughs> yeah in Perth um, yeah you can have a good time in Perth it is possible uh, we back tomorrow night uh, with the Go Radio Football Show live at five
1: The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota Ford, Seat and more Let's go, go Go